irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on LA Talk Radio. You do indeed, and this is Michael Sterling. And who are you, sir? I will be Andrew David James today, but I want to be Paul Strolley. You do? I want that so desperately, it's just never going to happen, is it? <laughs> we all want that. Paul Strolley, of course, is our, our regular co-host here at State of the Arts, but he's in Chicago working on a television series. That's right. That's yes. right, and doing great, great work out there. We miss Yes, you, he is. Yeah, so we miss him. But... Uh, uh, before we get started, why don't we thank our sponsors? Let's do that. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Breakdown Services, the entertainment industry standard used around the world, providing the most professional means to reach talent agents as well as actors when casting a project. To learn more about Breakdown Services, visit BreakdownExpress.com. We'd also like to acknowledge PerformingArtsLive.com, one of the Internet's most prominent listing sources for the live arts in Southern California. We're grateful to Performing Arts Live for lending their support to our live arts calendar. Indeed we are. And you know what, Andrew? I I am so excited for today's show because not only because the bar of feminine beauty raised dramatically when one of our two guests walked into the reception area. Of You're LA not talking Talk about radio. Me, are you? I am not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Our other guest, who with very little notice was able to join us today, both of our guests are musical performers of the first class, carrying on the legacy of her legendary uncles, George and Ira Gershwin, and their extraordinary contribution to the great American songbook. Alexis Gershwin joins us in studio. Welcome, Alexis. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. And from once, Broadway's 2012 winner of eight Tony Awards, including Best Musical, and currently on its second second national tour, Luke Wagadnier is here today. Welcome, Luke. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Did, we, did Andrew say your last name correctly? Wagadney, but it's in New York. Everyone says Wagad, New York. Well, and you were telling me something. <laughs> you were telling me something interesting about the meaning of that last name. Tell yeah, me. Yeah, in again. Polish, it's Wagodny, and it means comfortable. Wagodny, that's Polish. beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful, comfortable. Yeah. I love that. Very yeah. nice, Luke. Great to have you here. Thank you for Indeed. joining. Indeed. And before we speak with Alexis and uh, Luke, Andrew, how how was your week? First of all. Is the week over? It's almost over. Okay, because yeah. I need a break. I'm so tired. It's yeah. been a good week, but it's been a hectic one. We've been running nonstop. Of course, you and I had a date night out. We did. Which my wife never lets me have unless yeah. it's with you. We, so. <laughs> she's playing it safe. Uh, we went to see once. We did. Yes. Uh, just fantastic the other night. performance. Uh, just indeed. We'll talk about that, too, our, our uh, impression of the show. How about you? How was your week, Michael? You know, very good. Thank you. I had the pleasure earlier uh, uh, this week of... Spending the day with Sutton Foster, who is one of Broadway's uh, great stars, truly, and now a television star with her own series, Younger, on the TV Land channel. And uh, I did interviews with her and several of her uh, other cast members in a new project that she's doing, which is The Gilmore Girls. It is the reboot, Netflix reboot of The Gilmore Girls. And... uh, it was a lovely day because she is an amazing woman. That's great. Just so down to earth. And do you know her? I don't know her personally, but I love her work. Yeah, she is yeah, tremendous. And so that was a, a whole day out of uh, Wednesday. I mean, uh, Tuesday. Excuse wow. me. All day and into the uh, early evening. You're a busy man. 
Yeah, so uh, that and you know, normal other day-to-day things, but uh, I'm not complaining. <laughs> How right? are those two puppies doing? Are they happy and healthy? They are. Thank you for asking. I'll tell them <laughs> that you ask about them. They're probably listening right now, actually. Yeah, I leave you it take, up. <laughs> you take better care of your puppies than I do of my children, oh, okay. which I think is respectable. <laughs> well, thank you. So, And they do, too, I think. Uh, anyhow, let's get on with this. And uh, I'm so excited to, to talk to... Um, our first uh, guest. you want to kick it off there? Absolutely. Our first guest, ladies and gentlemen, was born into American musical royalty as the niece of George and Ira Gershwin. With her early awareness of unique musical heritage, she preferred listening to American standards while her peers were going wild for rock and roll. Her mother, Frances Gershwin, a talented dancer and painter, and her father, Leopold Gog. Godowski was a prominent violinist who later became a major force in the development of color photography and in the inventor of Kodak color film. He was inducted into the Inventors Hall of Fame in 2005. As a performer herself, she has toured extensively throughout the U.S. and abroad. Her most recent CD, Gershwin Sings Gershwin, is a loving tribute to George and Ira's timeless treasures. She is the true ambassador to the House of Gershwin. Next week, on Tuesday, March 22nd, she will grace the stage of Hollywood's Catalina Bar and Grill with her much-heralded concert act. Welcome, please, the Miss, the Beautiful, Elegant Alexis Gershwin. Ladies and gentlemen, Alexis Gershwin. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Alexis, for stopping by. So nice to see you. What a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for joining us today. Thank both of you very much. Absolutely. You and I have met one other time, uh, actually with Stephen Applegate, your musical director. Yes. Did you do you remember that? It was at uh, I have a supper club here, which is kind of the the. uh, top Broadway kind of supper club mm. here in the NoHo Arts District. It's called Sterling's Upstairs mm-hmm. at the Federal. And prior to that, it was at a very well-known restaurant called Vitello's, mm-hmm. which is an Italian restaurant uh, of great note around the world. And uh, I created a, a supper club for them as well uh, in 2006. For about six years, we were there. You came to an event that I produce every year called L.A.'s Next Great Stage Star, which is a musical theater competition for young people between the ages of 18 and 32. And uh, we do this every year, and we launch, so far, we have launched 14 careers on Broadway Amazing. with these young people. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, uh, pretty uh, pleased with that. And over 85 of them out of the 200 that have gone through this competition since 2006 are now professionally working in the business of musical theater somewhere in this country or on uh, board a ship sailing the seas or at international theme parks, and uh, they're doing what they love to do. That's beautiful. You were a special guest judge at that event on our finale in that particular <laughs> year. Well, I appreciate that, and thank you very much. Well, I loved having you there, obviously. But let's talk about you, and let's talk about your uncles, and let's talk about your affinity for their music. Okay. So tell us about the album, first of all. The Gershwin Sings Gershwin, some of the great American classics are on there. Which is a great title. It's much less appealing if it's Andrew David James Sings Gershwin. I don't know why nobody ever buys that album. It's very strange. Very, very strange. I think they tossed it around once or twice. Didn't go. How did you pick the songs that you put on the album? That must just be a task with all the beautiful catalog that you have to choose from. 
the ones my heart told me to. Ah, very nicely said. Because you started listening to that music, of course, being around that music from a very early age. And your mother also, I understand in what I was doing, when research on you, that um, your mo- the, the brothers would give uh, the music to your mom, and she would sing it as well, just in and around, I think, for the sake of singing it so they could hear how it was being sung. Is that correct? She was very close to my uncles, her right. brothers. Yes. So it started there, and you inherited this, this wonderful gift of, of uh, musicality. Thank you very much. Yeah. I hope so. Oh, I'm, I'm, well, we're going to play a track here of yours from the album in a little bit and let our folks hear how you sing. And I think it's wonderful that you're still out there trotting on the boards here, you know, doing your concert act everywhere. Well, yeah. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. I would like to try and bring back beautiful music, romantic music. I think we need it. Yes, I think we do, too. Very much agreed. Well, Could you tell me what your relationship was with your talented uncles? Did you know them both? Well... George died before I was born, but Ira, yes, I used to go there every week for dinner, and it was always very exciting and fun, and there were sometimes interesting people there, like Groucho Marx and <laughs> all different kinds of... Well, he used to throw big pool parties, didn't he, and, and barbecues and so forth, and all the elite of Hollywood would show up at these parties? Yes, once in a while he would do that, but as he got older, he became more introverted and secluded. I see. And is that when Michael Feinstein was working with him and being his um, catalogist, so to speak, Uh during that time period? Mm -hmm. You know, the one thing I do have in common with that particular house that he lived in is that I hung out at the house next door, which belonged to George. Oh. Rosemary Clooney. Rosemary Clooney. Now, yeah. when you say hung out, you mean you broke in and stayed there while she was on vacation? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. You were invited? Rosemary Clooney was my mentor in my lifetime of course. for music. Of and, course. And uh, I practically lived there four days a week, five days a week. And she taught me everything I need to know about music. So I, um, I feel like you. I am all you. about the great American standards. Well, they're so beautiful, and I love them all. Yeah? One side was Rosemary Clooney, and then on the other side was Agnes Moorhead. Yes, mm. yes. And down the street. Lucille Ball and yeah. and uh, Pamela Mason and James Mason. Yeah. It was yeah. quite a block to be on. You know? Well, it's very sad for me to say this to you and tell you, but they, for some reason, they they broke. They took down Ira's house. I don't mm. know to this mm. second. I don't understand why they did that. And Rosemary's is also gone. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing, because that particular street, of all the streets in Hollywood, had the most famous people That's on that right. street. That's wow. right. And it was just a n- regular neighborhood for them. What street know? is that, Michael? Roxbury Drive. Roxbury, wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. 1019 was where Rosemary lived, and, and uh, of course... Uh, Ira next door. Well, and that's a shame. You know, it seems to me in Los Angeles that we that they have no reservations about taking down these kinds of, you know, structures. Not that either of them were on, on any sort of historic list, but they certainly should have been, especially Ira's house should have oh, been. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, the city of Beverly Hills did not fight that, cool. to my understanding. I'm bewi- I'm baffled totally by it all. It doesn't make any sense to me. Otherwise, I'd give everyone answers if I had them. I thought you were going to say bewitched, bothered, and bewildered. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do love Richard Rogers' music, too. I figured you were being loyal. Okay. All right. So um, those are days gone by, and I don't I don't think someone as young as our other guest here, Luke, uh, do you you, uh, do you appreciate? Oh, the, yeah. yeah. You I, grew have to. Wrong, I grew up in the wrong time. I wish I was with you. <laughs> with you 
You're not in the wrong time. You adapted beautifully to this time. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, no, I love, I grew up on that music. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and your parents listen to it as well. Oh, yeah, my whole family plays music. And my grandmother, that's all. My first word was opa, opera. <laughs> oh, really? Opa, yeah. And oh, that's all nice. I listen to is, and that's why I'm so honored that I'm in the same room with you oh. today in this interview, because I didn't know that was, it's like, wow. <laughs> certainly is a musical lineage to be a part of. You also yeah. have a many other interests, of course. Now, you're very active in animal rights and, uh, and raising money for local animal charities, too. Is that correct? Yes, I adore animals. And have you? I believe I saw on your website that you had a number of charities that you uh, that you have listed there. Have you been a part of those for a long time? Have you had a long-standing relationship with them here yeah, in Los I Angeles? Yeah, I would say so. Yes. Of course, Doris Day and a number of our other friends of the show here yes. have that same love. So. Yeah, Doris. Uh, you do too. I do. I, I do. I picked that up. Yes. Did you? Yes. Really? Yes, Good. I did. Thank you. I've had dogs. Uh, I have an affinity for dogs, beagles in particular, yeah. and I've had uh, them all my life. Oh. Yeah. All my life. Not not these two specifically. Not these two. <laughs> these are my my youngest uh, rescues that I've adopted. So, yeah, they're they're lovely. Uh, I'll show you a picture later, but they're lovely and they're listening today. Really, I, I do leave everything hooked up <laughs> to listen. No wonder they try so to bite me. So I say, hey, Riley time. Cooper, get down. Then you'll know what I'm talking about, right? We have a clip here, a beautiful song called Our Love is Here to Stay. I'd like to play a little bit of that if you don't mind. Could you tell me a little bit about that song and where it came from and anything you'd like to say about it before I play it? Well, I think it was one of their favorite songs and also it was one of the last songs they ever wrote together because George passed away shortly after that song was written. Hmm. Beautiful. Let's play the whole thing. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Our Love is Here to Stay. Make 
to stay. Thinking. An Just absolutely dreamy. ethereal yeah. quality. Very true. I must say, yes. when, uh, when of course, we found out we were going to have you on the show, I was so excited. And I went and set up on my uh, Pandora, a station called the Gershwin <clears throat> Station, just to hear those songs playing over and over again. So many wonderful <clears throat> songs in that catalog. So Thank you. Thank you. And you do it with such uh, grace and, and class. The phrasing. You know, I think mm-hmm. you... Uh, Often, I know that uh, things were said about Rosemary Clooney during her career by songwriters, Mm -hmm. that she sang the song the way the writers intended it to be sung. And I felt that that's exactly what you were doing with that song. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I really do. I actually got very emotional uh, sitting here listening to it. So what a beautiful rendition. And now, the arrangements, are they original arrangements or are they revised arrangements? They are my original ones. Fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. And you you have the Gershwin singers behind you on this and on stage in your concert. Yes. And your musical director is Stephen Applegate. Oh, yes. Oh, a wonderful yes. man that he is and a yes. wonderful musical director. He's he does the best. It. Yes, he does. He is the best. And I know that he's uh, been with you for a while, hasn't he? 
a number of years for us being so young. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. I know you have a number of fans. I know Paul Strolley is, of course, a huge fan of your music as well. So I yeah. couldn't even begin to tell you how much of a fan I am. This I'm is, just so excited. Now, so Alexis, sorry that I can't be there today. Alexis, he's in to Chicago you, right Paul now. Paul doesn't work ever if he doesn't absolutely have to, and he called into the radio station just to get a chance to talk with you today. Oh, <laughs> so. Thank you, Paul. I'm honored and touched. Hello. Thank you. Hello, hello, Alexis. I'm so sorry that I can't be there today, uh, and uh, but I'm sitting here in Chicago, and I just listened to that beautiful track, and I said, you know what? I can't just let this go without calling in and uh, and letting her know myself how, how wonderful uh, and how beautiful it was. And I do have a question for you, if you don't mind. I, uh, one of the comments you made earlier um, was uh, the the idea of bringing back beautiful music, and I'm very curious. Someone like you, with the musical pedigree that you have, the uh, are there artists uh, that are playing now that you that that touch your heart that uh, that you really enjoy that uh, our listeners would be interested in uh, hearing about, or the particular artists that uh, that you go to with your uh, with your tastes. Well, many of the artists that I have loved and admired are no longer with us. And they're mm-hmm. the ones like Frank Sinatra, Doris Day, Rosemary Clooney. Mm-hmm. And I could live, you know, uh, many, many more. Frank Sinatra. Yeah, no. Well, that's my, that, that's uh, so uh, common, I think, that uh, uh, I know that I feel, I feel exactly the same way. And I think that... Uh, you know, letting especially uh, younger listeners know about these people is just uh, a real, a real honorable thing, and uh, and I applaud you for doing it. Well, I appreciate your appreciation. Thank you so much, Paul. We miss you. And we love you, brother. We do, sir. Can we? And I'm not going to step. I'm not going to step on any more of your time because I know you have another guest there, but I did want to just sort of uh, chime in and uh, share my thoughts and uh, wish you all well and uh, continued success, not only with the uh, with the cabaret event, but also the show at the Pantages. So uh, thank, thank you. you all. Thank you thank very you, much. Sir. Thank you, Paul. Travel well. We'll see you soon. Yes, Godspeed. Paul, of course, is uh, a great musician and a great historian of musicians as well. He has a love for every different generation of music and sees how they intertwine together. I don't know if Michael Bublé or those kind of people who are singing that music today. Harry Connick. Of course, Harry Connick, who I saw at the Hollywood Bowl. But there is, I think, a longing for that kind of music that sticks with all of us at some point in our lives. And gives the chill bumps we need and the tears in the eyes. (laughs) Absolutely true. That's my my wish. I'm driven to want to move people when I'm singing. I think that that's what music is all about. Oh, absolutely. Very well said. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can see Alexis in concert this coming week on Tuesday, March 2nd at 8.30 p.m. It is one night only, uh, but at a a, uh, a, a, um, lovely club that she has appeared at in the past as well. And she's appeared everywhere all over the country at all of the great clubs. And uh, this is, again, Tuesday, March 22nd. It is a 75-minute musical journey and salute to her uncle's music. In Gershwin Sings Gershwin. Musical direction by Stephen Applegate. And it is right in the heart of Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard, just east of North Highland Avenue. 
It is in an unbelievably inexpensive cover. You should check that out. A $20 cover, mm. unheard of, but you're going to hear some of the greatest music by one of the great ladies of, of song here. And there is also dinner and a two-drink minimum per person. Valet parking, of course, is available. And to get tickets, it's very simple. You simply go to the Catalina Jazz Club, and uh, that is by its uh, web address, the Catalina Jazz Club dot com, or call three two three four six six two two one zero. Wonderful. Alexis, thank you for being here, and thank you for making the world a more beautiful place. We appreciate it. Well, I'm very touched to have you all joining me in beautiful music, too. Thank you so oh, much. We, will you stay with us and, and uh, for the rest of the half hour? Can you stay with us? Absolutely. Wonderful. Okay, thank you want so to talk much. to Luke. Ladies and gentlemen, Alexis Gershwin. <clears throat> We have some fine people in this studio today. Don't Can you we? believe call, Paul Strolley called in I like th- that? I was thrilled. I, I'm so happy he did. Honestly, it's the only job I get all year long, and he steps in here and takes back over. <laughs> i gotta, I got to get rid of this guy, man. He's, he's tall and good-looking, which I didn't quite make it to, but he's also more talented than me, so I've got that going. Well, I'm, I, you're both very talented. <laughs> I'll say that on your behalf. It was so good to hear his voice. I miss hearing him. I know. I, I know, and his energy, too. That's right. He's a, he's a lovely man, and is a lovely wife too so they're back in chicago and uh they'll be back i think soon that's right but the yeah. good news is is while he's gone you and i get to go see some shows together and we got to see a great one this week that's right and we're going to come to see your concert uh-huh. yes absolutely that's beautiful news yeah <laughs> i can't well, wait actually <clears throat> what did you think of once michael i well i want to tell you something i um did not see the tour when it first came through a couple of years ago at the uh, Pantages Theater, and this time I was certain to be seeing it, and I sat there completely mesmerized by this piece of work. It is more than I expected, and it is, we should tell everybody the, the kind of, or maybe we'll have Luke just uh, tell us the, the summary of the show itself, because I think some, some of it might be uh, misconceived when, when you hear too little about it. Mm-hmm. So... Luke, give us a summary of the show. I think everyone in the cast has a different summary of the show. Okay, just so you know, you were supposed to say, I don't know, I haven't seen it. I don't know, I haven't seen it. Go. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, everyone has a different, and everyone who sees the show takes away something differently. But what I think the show is about is about um, an Irish folk musician who is at the end of his rope, and he can't seem, he lost the spark in him to perform and to write music and as soon as he's about to throw it away, this girl comes into his life and she sees this beauty in him and she pulls out this inner music out of mm-hmm. him. Um, I think it's a story about people being stopped and people forgetting who they are and being, you know, sometimes you walk around, I live in New York and you walk around and you find yourself like you're being pulled by a puppet. You're just like walking around. You don't know where you are. It's like when you're driving a car. And yeah. you forget that you're driving. It's very easy to get lost in this world. And um, and then there's someone that pops into your life randomly that just reminds you what your focus should be. Wakes you back up again. Wakes you back yeah, yeah. up. And I think that's the biggest thing. Every single character, not only the leads, but every single character in that show is stopped at some point. And there's awakenings for everyone throughout the night. And I think that's what it's about is being awakened to mm-hmm. being a robot living mm-hmm. in this 
2016 world. Very well said, yeah. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. We didn't get the privilege, the privilege of seeing you on Tuesday night, of course, but you play a number of roles in the show, correct? You swing for a number of roles, and you play... How many instruments in the show do you play? I cover five parts. Wow. And I play, like, 15 instruments. <laughs> and... Um, the instrument that I'm most excited about playing that I don't get to all the time because I'm usually just playing the guitar and singing. Right. Um, but I get to play the cello, which is, um, I, that was my first instrument. I grew up, my mom brought me to a music store and said, you could either play this or this. And it was the violin or the cello. And I picked the cello and ever since I've played, but I never had the opportunity to audition for a musical and play the cello as well as sing and act and dance. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, you know, it's, uh, it's a challenge, but it's been nice. And every night, the understudies also have a music room in the basement of wow. the theaters with banjos and mandolins and ukuleles and cellos and drum sets and pianos and melodicas and harmonicas. <laughs> and so we can all um, just jam down there during a the show. musical heaven. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. And I must uh, say your, your colleagues in the show, Sam Sieri, mm-hmm. is that how you say his name? And Mackenzie Lesser uh, Roy. Yeah. The, their characters are guy and girl, and I was so knocked out by both of them. Oh yeah, Sam is something else. Yeah, for you know, not having a musical theater background, much of it actually to speak of, and was someone who uh, who who was um, living in New York City and uh, right, the, working with the subways to pay the bills. I'm reading here in his bio, yeah. and uh, became a motorcycle salesman. Mm-hmm. Wow! And then he got into into the uh, business of musical theater by going into Rock of Ages, and wow, what wow. a performance he did! Now you got to tell me, I, we use the term ensemble show every now and then, and I think we use it probably far too often. Oh, this right. is an ensemble show. Everybody now, there's definitely two leads in the show. There's no doubt about it. But man, you take any one of those performers away, and that show changes drastically. This is the definition of an ensemble show everybody sings everybody acts everybody moves it's an amazing piece how hard was that to kind of get used to to saying this is a completely different structure of show than anything else that's out there right now i think the biggest thing um with that is uh when the show came out on broadway the creative team sometimes producers will throw um people together directors choreographers um and they don't tend to know each other it's just uh, but this show started off with all friends in the room the whole creative team and Glenn Hansard and Marquetta, um, the writers, the music writers of the show, everyone knew each other. And uh, I think it was, it, it, it stemmed from a trust and a love. It was their baby. Yeah. And the whole ensemble aspect started off with them as an ensemble. And it was one unit. And the biggest thing that Yasmin, who was our um, movement choreographer, uh, she taught us all the movement for the show. She told us from the start that we have to breathe together. And we have to breathe as a unit. And we are all one unit. If you remember in the show, the song Gold, at the end of Act One, we're all together on the stage. And everyone has that dance where they bow down to Guy. Right. And they surrender to Guy when he's up there playing. And it's this beautiful moment where everyone is just one. There's no ego. There's nothing. It's just everyone's one unit. Everyone's breathing together. And that's what the show is about. I don't think of it as everyone says ensemble. Right, um, but I think of it as just one unit, um, and they've stressed that we do yoga, we do meditation, we do everything before the show to stay together as a unit. 
And there's, uh, you know, that was something that struck me as being one of the beautiful things about the show is how it was staged. <clears throat> Excuse me, and the simplicity of how it was staged. Yes. And for example, when some there are there's a section when everyone's sitting at tables. And their movement, which is being done to a song that's being sung, but it's so simple, and it's just arm gestures or head raising, and it's a whole chorus that's just silently sitting there mm-hmm. while this song is being sung. Right. It's like an, an adjunct to that, but it's so overwhelming and powerful to look at that right, yeah. at the same time, right? Well, I enjoyed the show, and, and we've talked a little bit about the show, and that's a great <clears throat> synopsis. I want to be sure to talk about you now. I want to give you your due, because you're an amazing artist in and of yourself, and I want to go ahead and introduce you fully to the people now. Yeah. The gentleman you're listening to, ladies and gentlemen, has appeared on the U.S. National Tour of American Idiot. Some say they named the show after me. New York credits include The Disappearing Man, a workshop production of The Last Goodbye, Chicago, and Rent. He is also a singer-songwriter who is the founding member of his own folk band, Water and Rye. He is currently one of the multi-gifted cast members of the 2012 Tony Award-winning Best Musical, once currently trekking across the country on its U.S. national tour, and now on stage through March 20th in all its glory at the Hollywood historic Pantages Theater. Please welcome Luke Wygodny. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There you go. <clears throat> now, I say that because, man, you and I got a chance to talk a little bit earlier, and this show is amazing, but it would not be as amazing without each individual artist who is in that cast. Now, you have a band called Water and Rye. Yes. I like whiskey and rye, but Water and Rye is good, too. <laughs> Tell me about that band. Um, well, the band is actually, uh, Glenn Hansard and Marquetta um, had a band called The Swell Seasons, and they're the people who wrote the music to once. Um, are huge are a huge inspiration uh, to my music. Um, my girlfriend and I started a duo in New York, um, and through friends that we've met in the acting world, uh, we put together this folk band where it's upright bass. Uh, it's all acoustic instruments, so upright bass, acoustic guitar, you know, cajon, b- um, bongos, cello, violins, wow. and everyone in the band not only plays their own instruments but they also sing. So we all harmonize, but really the storytelling is through um, myself and my girlfriend, Jenna. And it's very much the style of this show, and so that's why I was so excited to be a part of it, because it felt like I wasn't straying away from who I was anyways as a person. I think that's also with a lot of the other people in the show, that it's a lot of musicians, opposed to you know the acting world. Most people don't perform this way. Uh, it's a different type of Broadway show sure. in that aspect. So yeah, no, we play all over New York, um, I do miss them because whenever someone books a job, then we're like, oh, no, we need to find someone to cover because we all do it when just to have more of, um, you know, when you're an actor in New York, you don't really have control over your life. Um, <laughs> I think that's true of any actor. You're absolutely right. You know right. what I'm saying? So, but the control that I do have over my life is this band and making music and telling stories. And that's what really saves me in New York is this band, Water and Rye. It's amazing. That's yeah. great. Now, being on tour, how long have you been out? Um, we've been out for like uh, two months now. Two months, and, yeah. and the tour goes through. It goes till May. Till May. Yes. So that's that's uh, reasonably yeah. It's what, no it's short that existence. Long. Right? Yeah. So it's not putting a strain on your relationship with your girlfriend. Oh no 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 no. She we're used to this. She's an actor as well, so she's usually the one out in New York, and I'm in New York. Most yeah. relationships work much better when the couples don't they don't actually see each other on a regular basis. Yeah, right. It makes <laughs> things go swimmingly oh, well. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> 
not sure about that. But. The thing <laughs> I love about the show, well, so this is so this is the truth about about touring. I always find that anytime you're on a tour, it makes those first three months that you're back in town so much more enjoyable. You're so glad to see one another. You're so happy yep. to be back. It always adds a little bit of a respite each time too. So yes. I was blown away, Michael, by the archetypes and archetypes in the show that were that were destroyed and the ones that were built. Wasn't that amazing? Yes. I mean, truly new absolutely. characters like we've never seen before. And one of the, the most lovely pieces of stage, I should say, and it's just for um, just a couple of minutes, I think, through a song, is when the when Sam, who plays Guy, uh, if, if am I correct? No, I think it's not. No, I don't think that's correct. There is a, an actor that lays down on the stage uh, as Sam. Mm-hmm. And, Andre. Yes. Andre, yeah, of course. Okay, that's it. As guy and girl are up top overlooking the city, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, when the stars are mentioned, yes. seeing the stars, the stars are actually in this formation on the stage. But it is his body, yes. this man's body, who has laid down, and they light up on his body. Yeah. So it's a configuration of looking like hills. Right. That's amazing that you noticed that. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And in another area of the stage, it was this. It was there too. Beautifully done. So thoughtful. So unexpected. Well, as a playwright, I think that if you go to see the show, of course, actors love to see other actors perform. That's a great thing. I think playwrights very often kind of isolate themselves a little bit and disappear and kind of go in their room and write. Get out to see the show if you're a young playwright. Get tickets. Go down to the Pantages. Tickets are very affordable, and it's totally worth seeing. If for no other reason than it's modern storytelling with a traditional twist that absolutely has a story that's ages old, but with a complete new look exactly. on it and it's something that playwrights need to see because we get so desperate to find a new way to tell a story that we forget we can tell the older stories in a modern way and I think that's so important for young playwrights and musical writers to see and the performances by the two uh, the leads in the show oh, are certainly uh, a very very well thought out smart choice be it their own or a combination of the directors and their own choices. Was the director good at letting people kind of go with things that uh, they wanted to go with? Or was oh, it very yes. specific? Yes, they're very much about every once should be a different once. Yeah. Because um, it should be truthful to who. Mm-hmm. That's why they cast the people that they cast, because they want them to play the role. So captivating. But yes. that that is not to be said just about the leads. I think it's every, as you said earlier, it's every single person on the stage, regardless mm-hmm. of what they're doing, is in that moment and in their space and their time and making a contribution to the wholeness of the production. And it's very cool to watch all those faces and the reactions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so here's the information, ladies and gentlemen. March 15th through 20th. So those days have uh, are behind us almost, and it closes the 20th of March at the Hollywood Pantages Theater, 6233 Hollywood Boulevard, and there are performances Tuesday through Friday at 8 p.m., Saturday at 2 p.m. and 8 p.m., and Sunday at 1 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. Individual tickets start at $29. What a great deal. And uh, it is recommended for ages 10 and up. Children under 5 will not be admitted to the theater, and all patrons must have a ticket, of course. So to buy your tickets, go to the HollywoodPantages.com website, or you can go to Ticketmaster, or you can call 800-982-2787. And I think, quite frankly, you get better tickets when you go down in person to the Hollywood Pantages box office, which opens every day at 10 a.m., 
and grab them there. Yeah. But you will not be sorry by seeing this. Even if you don't know anything about it, you will melt into this story once you are sitting in that theater. I agree. I'll and just you, sitting in the Pantages Theater is in itself a remarkable experience. If you want to learn how to write modern dialogue for older characters, um, characters of age, this show blew me away in that it wasn't yes. what you would always see, that stereotypical, the trouble mom, the trouble dad. Those characters had heart and depth, and they played beautifully. And when he threw that fedora across the stage, no spoilers here on State of the Arts, I just wanted to stand up and cheer for that alone. It was so in sync with movement and timing. I thought that was a really nice uh, new thing that they'd done with Once. So congratulations. Thank you, Luke, for being here. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Absolutely. Shall we baptize this gentleman? I think we should. Absolutely. Right? Does, I think we should. Does he? You didn't give him any hints, did you? I didn't. So, uh, so no. we do something here, Luke. Uh-oh. <laughs> I love the terror on his face, <laughs> the power we have at State of the Arts. It's the only time anybody listens to me anyway. So. <laughs> Luke, we like to take a moment with our performers who come through here, particularly those on tour, because so much of this happens on tour, and say, what is the most embarrassing moment that comes to your mind, something that happened to you that, of course, happens to all of us as Live performers that makes being in the arts so special, but also that almost made you so terrified you wanted to quit. <laughs> yeah, um, I've had plenty of those. Um, with this production specifically, since I am covering five roles, whenever I wake up every morning, I'm not terrorized anymore. I'm used to it, but I'll always have the thought, you know, what's going on today? Am right. I going on? Am I, you know, it's you never know what's going on in that aspect. But one night, every night, we could either stay down below uh, the theater and practice or we can watch the show. And sometimes I just don't want to be in the basement. I want to, you know, be with the cast and watch the show. And I was watching the show, and I decided halfway through, I'm like, for some reason, I just decided, you know, I don't want to watch anymore. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go back downstairs. And as soon as I get downstairs, as soon as I walk through the stage door, Britt, who tunes all the instruments, um, throws a bass on me. And he says, "Play," and I'm like, "Play? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Play? I don't even know where they are in the show." He's like, "Play. The bass doesn't work on stage. Play." <sighs> And I'm like, and this was like three weeks into the into the. So I'm thinking, do I even know this part? Even wow. though I do know the part, you know. <laughs> and um, so I go next to the stage, and I'm really focusing, and I'm like, I'm playing, and I'm playing the part. It's um, when your mind's made up, mm-hmm. um, when they're all playing as a band. Yes, which is a very specific part. Um, and the bass is loud; it, it runs that song. And so I'm playing, and I'm feeling the groove, and I'm playing, and I'm not sure if it's actually my bass or um, Isaac, who's playing Andre on stage, is bass. So what I did was, it's all quarter notes, but there's no slurs or anything. But I threw in a boom just to hear if, if it's it was me you playing. Of course. So I go boom, and it and it and it did that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm live, I'm playing right now. <laughs> and so I keep playing, I keep playing, I keep playing, and then after I was finished, I looked at our stage manager Travis, who's amazing. And um, he says, and I thought he was going to give me a pat on the back. And he's like, his bass actually worked. <gasps> you were just in case that the bass. <laughs> so then wait, but I'm like this. But, the, right. but I did that different that notes. So tune. I went up to Isaac after the show. And I said, Isaac, I did this at this part of the song. I did this um, note. And he's like, oh, I did that too tonight. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And it was just this one of those 
understudy moments where you have no, you're just totally out of your body experience. That's a great moment. Yeah. That's a great moment. So that's, that's a pretty good one. Speaking for this of show. the amazing cast and crew, you have a gentleman, Jeff Wallach, who I believe uh, did some of your assistant costuming design as yes. well. I, I don't know if you met him, but I believe he's a local guy, if it's the gentleman I'm thinking of. He does um, your costumes, too. He does a number of costumes. Yeah. Yes, well, today, no. Today I dressed myself. <laughs> it's the first time in six years I've actually done that. I picked out my own shirt today. So. Looking good. <laughs> Jeff actually does a great job, and I, I think that's I think that's emblematic of everybody in the show who seems to give such care from set design to everything. Yes. It's really quite beautiful. So, thank you for being here, Luke. We appreciate it. Do you have it. any others you want to share with us? It does. They can be of anything. You should get extra points for nudity on this show. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think on tour, there's so many of those things that happen. They all kind of run together. After what about a while you? Too. Why don't we? Sh- we'll share one. Well, okay. Do you have one you want to go with? Michael? Well, I do. It's 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 one that. Uh, I've actually told before on this this show, but it was I started in musical theater when I was very young, and I I did many productions of Bye Bye Birdie. I did them with very famous people: Dick Van Dyke, Jerry Van Dyke, his brother, Sherry Lewis, the puppeteer, um, George Goebel, the great comedian, and we were working here in Los Angeles doing the show at uh, at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium, which in those days. Uh, those particular days, the rage of theater was theater in the round. And they converted the Santa Monica Auditorium into a theater in the round. So uh, 2,000 people sitting around a circular stage. And we are at the beginning of the show. And I am one of the, you know, the teenagers. <laughs> and this is a show I grew up in, so I would go into all the various roles as I got older. And... The opening of the show is in New York City. Have you ever seen it? Bob Air Birdie? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. So it's in New York City, and everyone's dressed like in New York clothes, and the color scheme is black and white and kind of New Yorkish. And And then there's a transition going when uh, the character of, of uh, Conrad Birdie, who's patterned after Elvis, goes from New York to Sweet Apple, Ohio, to kiss a girl. It's a big promotional thing because he's going into the Army. And in that transition, the way that this production worked was there was a, a, uh, a strobe light that suddenly went on, and all of us were underdressed in Sweet Apple, Ohio clothes. <laughs> we had our New York clothes showing, and then it, when that strobe happened, runners would come up, dressers would come running up the aisles and grab us. I mean, there's like 20 of us, right? <laughs> and just start pulling clothes off. Everything was Velcroed on and so forth. So it was just one very... And and in a matter of just seconds, I would say probably 15 seconds was the change. And you just let them do it, and boom, you were there in your uh, sweet apple clothes. And uh, they put an American flag in our hands, and the the orchestra is traveling all the way through (laughs) with us, and the lights come up, and I'm standing there waving the flag, and I'm singing, and I'm in a red sweater, and I have my little white shirt, and... I'm feeling, man, it's drafty up here. It's cold. And I look down, and I am standing there in my dance boots. <laughs> oh, no. That's because I had forgotten to put my trousers on. Oh, no. And tickets skyrocketed from there on. <laughs> well, I must say that uh, they got a better value for the people sitting on that side of the theater, certainly, because 
of, of my backside. It was like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Well, I will tell you very quickly. Uh, of course, I do a uh, Christmas carol with a group called Thousand Oaks Repertory Corporation. Wonderful people. But it's a yearly show. been going on for years and years and years, nearly 20 years now. Uh, and so people stay with the show for 10 or 15 years. And uh, it's a nice time to get back together with family. And a number of the people in the cast have played different roles, including Tiny Tim. So many of our people start out with Tiny Tim. And one year, the director had been particularly adamant that each young performer needed to wear their hat to show that we were outside in London and it was cold. You have to have a hat on your head if you're outside. And uh, he drilled it into these young performers, some of whom were four, five, six years old. And Tiny Tim, during one of the outdoor scenes, came on stage doing his limp and uh, wonderful little actor. And he walked on stage and realized halfway across the stage that he had forgotten his hat. He tore off that stage like an Olympic sprinter to get his hat and then very diligently walked back on with a limp when he came back on. <laughs> and all of us in the wings had to stifle our <laughs> laughter. It was one of those moments that there's absolutely no cover for and nobody cared. So it was a lot of fun. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, Alexis and Lou, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and joining us today. I've loved every minute of it. Thank thank you. you. We loved having you here. And once more, ladies and gentlemen, Alexis Gershwin, you can see her at Catalina Jazz Club on Sunset Boulevard in the heart of Hollywood. And on March 22nd, and that is for one show only, 8.30 p.m. performance. Doors open at 7 p.m. You go there, you have a lovely uh, dinner with drinks. You can get your reservations at CatalinaJazzClub.com or by calling 323-466-2210. And then for Luke and the beautiful, beautiful show that is once the musical at the Pantages Theater, simply go to the Pantages Theater uh, website, uh, PantagesTheater.com. And also, uh, you can call their uh, their line for tickets, which is a uh, simple telephone number of three two three. Here I'm finding it, just scanning <laughs> the thing very quickly. Oh, I'm sorry. Long, there you go. <laughs> the wrong Live end. radio, ladies and gentlemen. I here know, at State right? of the Arts. Eight hundred nine eight two twenty seven eighty seven. That's uh, the telephone number for the Pantages Theater. And I, I didn't say the correct uh, address. HollywoodPantages.com. Mm-hmm. And that is playing for just a few more performances. Performances, make it a point of putting down those remote controls and those iPhones yep. and get away from that TV and get in your car and go see live theater and live concerts. That's Amen. Right. Amen. All right. Special thanks to Paul Strolley, who came into work even though he was far, far away. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Michael, I'll look forward to seeing you next thank week. Thank you, sir. Yes, we will and on the Thank radio. you, listeners. Check us out on Facebook. Find out more about these great shows and get out and see some theater. listening to State of the Arts with Michael Sterling and Paul Strolley right here on L.A. Talk Radio.